I'm Gillian Doherty, CEO of The Data Lab. And in today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by the Cabinet Secretary for Finance, Kate Forbes. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Oh, it's a, it's a real pleasure and um, it's great to be able to speak to you directly and, and get an update um, around the, the AI strategy for Scotland and and really just thinking back to back in February, which seems a, an awful long time ago, a lot has happened since then, but but you were kind enough to record a, an overview of the objectives of, of Scotland's AI strategy and and it'd be really good, you know, if if you can imagine back to those days in February, you know, to have a recap on why do you think we need an AI strategy for Scotland? It is difficult to recap and remember back to February. It feels like we've lived through several decades, I think, since that February conversation. But in a sense, the last few months have merely confirmed the reasons for having an AI strategy. And, you know, so much has already been realised when it comes to achieving Scotland's potential in data. It's great to see right across public sector uh, and the private sector. But I think as a country, we can build on that success and harness the scope of data innovation even more. And that includes AI because it can deliver real benefits for Scotland and beyond because pioneering some of those solutions in Scotland will make them exportable and help other countries as they try and harness the potential as well. And there's opportunities that apply to every part of life for how we live our lives, how we work, for our economy, for our public services, for society at large. But we need to do it in a way that's very thoughtful and intelligent. Now, this time last year, we were just fresh from the the programme for government in which we said, the Scottish government said, that we would set out an AI strategy for Scotland. That was published last year, and it's been great over the last few months to work with the Data Lab and others to progress that uh, that strategy. And I'm delighted to still be chairing the steering group that is overseeing that process. And I guess, you know, eight months since then and a year since the announcement and plan for government, um, can you give us an insight into the progress that's that's been made and, and the work that has been done that you just touched on? Well, I was really keen from the very beginning to ensure that the work we progressed was done collaboratively and was informed by a wide range of views. So I think that any AI strategy is going to have an impact, not just on the techie geeks that are right at the heart of it, but will have an impact on everybody, whether or not they understand AI, like AI, or want to have anything to do with AI. And I think one of the hugely positive things that we've seen is the fact that people from across Scotland and beyond have been really keen to get involved and actually contribute to the process. Now, in the last year, we have published a scoping document that set out our initial proposals that was in January. And we then consulted on those from February to May and saw quite a wide range of uh, responses to that consultation. But that's not the only way that we asked people to respond to the, the consultation Because I know that if you just put a consultation up on the Scottish Government website, it may or may not get the results. And it certainly won't get the results from those that may not be thinking about AI. So we also had a wide range of engagement activities. So we we had a a number of uh, workshops, for example, and we conducted that those over the summer months. And it's great to see those reports from those uh, engagement activities published on the website which anybody can read if they so wish. And they've certainly made uh, for very interesting reading. And so there's now a huge wealth of information that we can draw on 
as the strategy evolves over the next few months that we can point to when it comes to trying to make decisions on how we implement that strategy. Excellent. And you mentioned there the, the reports that have been published and, and maybe those some of those joining us on today's podcast haven't had a chance to maybe read through that published material. What do you think some of the key themes were coming out of the work that's been done so far? Well, what's interesting is if I think back to some of the conversations I used to have and still have with people about AI, people that are in the know and people that aren't in the know, there's a whole range of different issues that are usually raised. And I think looking at the, the consultation responses, what's encouraging is seeing the consistency of the different themes that emerged across uh, three different activities. That would be the consultation, the engagement programme and the working groups. And for example, when it came to the the consultation, there was a a clear desire to see more dialogue and case studies on AI uh, to make sure that we focused on skills and training and also to make sure that people are right at the heart of it, that the citizen is at the heart of it and we take an ethical approach. And that resonates with me. It resonates with some of the the, the conversations I've had over the last few years. And those same points have come up repeatedly in the engagement workshops and, uh, you know, the, the activities that were conducted with a wide range of uh, people from across Scotland. I think what's refreshing to see is that people are largely optimistic about AI's potential to deliver benefits. And that includes Scotland's potential to become a global leader in the ethical and transparent use of AI to benefit business and society. Sometimes, you know, we need to be honest and upfront that our concerns that are raised, that our worries, people are um, nervous about what might be unleashed. But actually, if we can proceed with this strategy, emphasising the public good of AI, then I think we can take people uh, with us. So we've got strong foundations that came through some of the feedback as well. And ultimately, I suppose if I, were to, if I were to identify one core theme, it was about putting people first, putting the citizen first and right at the heart of everything that we do. Now, there's other things that fall from that. There's a need for leadership to make sure we do it. There's a need to make sure people are equipped with the skills that they need. There's a need to make sure we're collaborating and working in partnership with a whole range of different stakeholders. And there's a need that we continue to engage in a way that's democratic and, and accountable and allows for maximum scrutiny on what we're doing. So we'll consider all of these, but certainly the themes build on the themes that I've been hearing for the last few years when it comes to AI. That's really encouraging to hear the consistency, I think, that, that's come back through the working groups, the consultation and, and the public engagement um, and, and having people at the heart. But I guess we can't really ignore where we are right now in the middle of a global pandemic. and and. How has the development of the process, I guess, and the shape of the strategy been adapted to the global challenge that that we're all facing of of COVID-19? Well, I suppose there's been two major impacts. The one is that COVID has an impact on every process, I think, that's being uh, delivered right now, right across public and private sectors. So the actual development process of the strategy um, was meant that we, that we had to extend the consultation period twice in light of the situation. And I was very keen that we ensured we were still engaging with the public. So whilst we may originally have wanted to do those in-person physical workshops and meetings, we obviously had to completely rework the actual process. 
but you know, although it took some some effort, it was great that we could still do those online, and I think they were they were a success, nevertheless. But the other part to this, and it goes back to my earlier answer, which is about how we engage with people that may not have been engaged beforehand in AI. I think the whole question about uh, what the economy looks like, how we deliver services, how we uh, build businesses, how we support entrepreneurship has come to the fore in looking at this pandemic. We know we're living through a, an economic crisis, the, one of the greatest crises in generations. And there are huge questions about what the, the future of uh, the, the economy is. There's also huge things as we're increasingly required to work in a different way, how we use data and technology to do that differently. And the most resilient businesses will be the ones that can adapt and change. The most resilient public sector organisations will be the ones that can adapt and change and new, use new ways of working. And, you know, in a, if you look at core digital means of operating, there's probably been faster digitalization in the last few months in the NHS, for example, than we've seen in, in, in years. And that can't just be around... The, the simple, straightforward elements. I think the way that we engage with the public, the way that we engage with citizens, the way that we deliver services has got to be completely rethought in light of the pandemic and in light of the pressures that we're operating with. And if we can get smarter and more intelligent in the way that we do things, then that is all the better. But that has to be done in a transparent, ethical way so that we take people with us. So I think... You know, there's been two impacts, but that second impact is something that we're still working through. And none of us can predict where we'll be even in the next few months, let alone the next few years. So the more work we can do now to embed better ways of working and better use of data, the better. The last point I make about data is, you know, repeatedly in the Scottish Parliament, I hear calls for as much transparent publication of data as possible to help understand where we're at with the pandemic, understand decisions that government's making, et cetera, et cetera. So the public have always had an appetite for data, but they have a huge appetite right now in terms of understanding what's going on. And that's health data, some of that health data we've never published in the past. So all of that is creating a massive public dialogue about data, the use of data and better ways of working, which is all relevant to the debate on AI, which is a long answer, very waffly answer, but hopefully sets out you know, some of the parameters for, for the impact on, a, on, 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 on the debate around AI. Yeah, absolutely. I think you touched on a really interesting point there about the public and, and awareness and data. I think certainly in, in all of my decades, on, it doesn't look like it, and you can't hear that in my voice for those listening to the podcast, my decades in the technology business. I don't think I've ever been in a time where the general public and friends, family, um, those around ha have that appetite for data and every day we're hearing this is what the data is showing us this we're looking at the evidence we're using the evidence to make decisions do you think that we can capitalize on that increased appetite to try and upskill our citizens to, to ask those questions to be to give them help in, in understanding, interpreting and enable them as we move forward uh, as we start to I guess, rule out the recommendations of what the AI strategy will give us. Uh, that real public and citizen engagement with, with AI as a, 
as I guess a follow-on to, to this awareness over the last seven, eight months about data and, and evidence and, and data informing the decisions that are being made? I think the short answer is yes, but it does need to be channeled well. So I would say that we've always walked this fine line on data in order to use people's data well for as a public good. We've got to have their trust and their consent, which means being clear and upfront about how we're using their data, why we need it, and what the limits are and what we're going to do with it. And inevitably, even during the crisis, there have been discussions about private sector organisations using data for good reasons or bad reasons, trying to get people to sign up to new apps, both sides of the border. The question is, well, what's my data going to be used for? So there's certainly a massive public appetite for data, but that's where I think we need uh, a leader we need leaders, we need visionaries, we need people that can instill confidence in the public in saying, this is how we're going to use your data and why. And that for me is, is critical in the whole debate about AI because for, for the tech geeks who understand how this works, that's fine. But for the vast majority of the public who right now are being subject to decisions being made about with their data that they may or may not agree with, they may or may not like. They want to know what government is doing with data. They get nervous when private sector perhaps takes their data and uses it for reasons that they don't trust. But every day I would suggest there's another story in the press about AI and the use of data. There was, I know this is a podcast that will be listened to for a long time, but there was a story today about the use of AI um, in terms of people, you know, in terms of using photographs of, of private citizens, rightly or wrongly. So if that's what you're reading in the, in the public domain about data, I suppose these are all illustrations of the fact that as there's more awareness of data and there's more familiarity with the fact that we're using data, that niche for leadership and ethical use of data needs to be filled by trusted messengers and it's not good enough just to talk about it. You need to have frameworks in place. You need to have guidance in place. And that's where, going back to our AI strategy, public interest in data is not the be-all and end-all. Public interest in data with proper ethical leadership around data is what we need. We need to bring those two things together. Uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think you talked about leadership there and and thinking about the broader environment, you know, you recently sponsored the Scottish Technology Ecosystem Review by Mark Logan, a, a real tech technology leader and business leader in Scotland and beyond. Uh, and the consultation for Scotland's updated digital strategy is also underway. H how do you envisage these connect together to maximise the collective impact for Scotland alongside the AI strategy? Yeah, so they're certainly not uh, distinct and none of this can be understood in isolation. And that's why even talking about the AI strategy, it's difficult to talk about that in isolation from the wider debates around data or the wider debates around tech. But as we look ahead to the future, I've got a question constantly in my mind, which is in 10 years time, what do we want to look back on in Scotland? The, the decisions that we took in the during the pandemic and in the immediate aftermath of the pandemic, what decisions have delivered the results, the achievements, the celebrations, 
that we can see in 10 years' time. And tech for me is first and foremost in that. For a country of only 5 million people, tech is perhaps the greatest driver of economic growth, development and progress in Scotland. And whilst there's many uh, strong successes in Scotland already, tech companies doing exceptional things, businesses choosing to relocate to Scotland, great wealth of talent coming through our universities, our colleges and uh, institutions like CodeClan. The point of the ecosystem review is bringing it all together and saying, look, you can't just look at these things in isolation. You can't just look at what government's doing in one area or what the private sector is doing in another area. You need to look at it as a whole. You need to look at the ecosystem. And so the review that I commissioned was a view to not just thinking about the pandemic, but looking at Scotland's economy over the next 10 years. And, you know, the, the, the review is, is brilliant. I think it's been widely accepted as being brilliant um, by a, a number of different stakeholders. And it gives us that blueprint that we needed to start putting, building on the, 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 the foundation stones that we already have and ensure that our education system is contributing to the success of the tech ecosystem, to make sure that infrastructure is there and to make sure that the funding streams are there. None of it will be delivered quickly. And if it was easy, it would have been delivered long before now. So we need to be upfront that some of this is challenging. It's challenging to find enough computing science teachers to ensure that sufficient numbers of children are coming through our schools with the right qualifications. It's challenging to figure out how we recruit the right amount, the right talent to Scotland from outside Scotland without control of our visa system. Uh, so none of this is easy, but it certainly provides that blueprint. And AI has a key role to play in all of that as we hopefully support entrepreneurs, research and development and pioneer solutions here in Scotland. Yeah, I, th I think the, the clarity of the recommendations in the report give us that amazing foundation to, to work from they're very clear and, and I think it's one of the reasons why the report as you say is so been so widely accepted and and heralded as as is actually an excellent piece of work and, and it clear clear and articulate investments and recommendations to take forward so I guess the, the ongoing work around the digital strategy, the AI strategy, you know, work continues at a pace, um, both not just here in Scotland, but internationally. And are you are you seeing noticeable developments internationally that we could, could learn from? Yes, and I've been quite intentional about seeking those out, learning and even speaking to counterparts, my counterparts in, in other governments. So I had an interesting conversation with the equivalent minister in the New Zealand government for example. And given the potential for Scotland to become a global leader in the ethical and transparent use of AI, we have been interested uh, in work around the world. And, and from a New Zealand perspective, looking at how they have set standards for government use of algorithms. There's also work in, in other European cities, Amsterdam, Helsinki, both of which have developed algorithm registries to increase transparency on the use of AI in public services. And we, too, are contributing to international developments. Back in June, we submitted our response to the European Commission's consultation on AI. So anybody that thinks that government has a monopoly or you know, each individual government has a monopoly on these developments or can do it in isolation or shouldn't look and learn and apply is, is not, not working in the real world. It's about cross-border co collaboration 
and learning. And in those conversations, if you take the, the New Zealand minister as an example, there was a real willingness and a keenness to uh, share ideas rather than building from scratch, reinventing the wheel. Let's let's share ideas, build on those ideas, because every citizen around the world wants to see their data being used in an ethical, transparent way. And every government around the world wants to ensure that services are being delivered in a financially sustainable and effective way. Absolutely. I think I, I recently participated in a, in a global panel around AI strategies and with a head of AI for the OECD and, and contributors from Mexico and other countries around the world. And looking at, at what is happening globally, some of the things that we are doing around that public engagement, citizen engagement, um, actually, they, they were very appreciative of understanding how we were embarking on this process. Um, and it was quite exciting to, to see that actually we, we are doing some things here that other governments are learning from as well, which is exciting. And and even j- just recently, actually, the CivTech and Police Scotland Challenge, which launched this month. Uh, can you outline a little bit of the objectives of that challenge and, and how you see it expanding across the public sector? Yeah, so it goes back to a, a theme that I keep returning to, which is that it's crucial that the cause of the decisions made or supported by AI systems can be understood by humans. So what which we call explainable AI, including the systems operators and the people that are affected by those decisions. And as a Democrat, that is a principle that I hold very firmly too. So the challenge aims to tackle the, the broad strategic issue of how to develop ethical, explainable approaches to the use of AI in the public sector. In a, in a scalable and a repeatable way. And given the, the potential scope and variability of such a challenge, we've partnered with uh, Police Scotland to provide a specific initial use case for respondents to address. So this is all part of our approach and our strategy to be a recognised leader in the development and the adoption of AI as a trusted, responsible and ethical tool to actually benefit people. So. You know, the, the aim with this challenge is not just to develop a bespoke approach for application to this uh, case. It's to develop an application with the potential to be transferred and used elsewhere as well. So it'd be useful to see what emerges from it as the strategy moves forward. And as we do move forward, uh, how can those listening to the podcast today and can keep up to date with what activities are happening, um, what other things they could get involved in as we move closer towards the launch of the strategy in in 2021? Well, the first thing I'd say is please do engage. Please engage whether you think you know and understand AI or you don't, whether you're just an interested citizen or you're somebody that works in this industry, in this sector, please do engage. If we keep talking about the need for accountability, scrutiny, democratic engagement, then it's so important that everybody does that and takes the opportunity to do so. So if you want to learn about our achievements to date or follow the progress over the next few months, you can do so on the various digital channels. So there's a a core strategy website, scotlandaistrategy.com. And we're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. And I'm assuming if you just Google it, if I'm allowed to talk about Google. (laughs) (laughs) There are other search engines available. (laughs) Google it, Bing it, whatever you want to do with it and uh, find out a little bit more about uh, what we're doing. 
And also, apparently, there's going to be a virtual panel event to discuss the outcomes of the consultation uh, engagement programme and the working groups. And you can sign up to attend uh, on the strategy website and that will be coming up on the, at 4pm on the 25th of November. Fantastic. And I know there's there's ongoing work planning engagements for, for early next year as well. So I think we're in a, a really exciting place with the strategy. I know the teams supporting its development and those consultations have, have really enjoyed the work that's been done. Um, so th- can I finally just take the time to say thank you, um, Minister, for joining me and sharing your thoughts and views and keeping us up to date with developments. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. So to everyone, it's Gillian Doherty, Chief Exec of the Data Lab and our Cabinet Secretary for Finance, Kate Forbes. Thank you very much for listening. And please, as the Minister said, get involved, get in touch and we will see you all soon. Thank you.